Chapter two seventeen of Barney the Vampire, Volume three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Barney the Vampire, Volume three, by Thomas Prescott Prest. Chapter two seventeen. The Midnight Hour, the Stone Slab, the Vampire. Yes, it was twelve o'clock that mysterious hour at which it is believed by many that graves give up their dead and many a ghost in churchyard decay rise from their cold cold bed to make night horrible with wild vagary twelve that hour when all that is human feels a sort of irksome dread as if the spirits of those who have gone from the great world were too near loading the still night air with the murky vapours of the grave a chilliness came over Ringwood, and he fancied a strange kind of light was in the church, making objects more visible than in their dim and dusky outlines they had been before. "'Why do I tremble?' he said. "'Why do I tremble? Clouds pass away from before the moon. That is all. Soon there may be a bright light here, and lo, all is still. I hear nothing but my own breathing.' I see nothing but what is common and natural. Thank heaven all will pass away in quiet. There will be no horror to recount, no terrific sight to chill my blood. Rest, Clara, rest in heaven. Ten minutes passed away, and there was no alarm. How wonderfully relieved was Ringwood. Tears came to his eyes, but these were the natural tears of regret such as he had shed before for her who had gone from him to the tomb and left no trace behind but in the hearts of those who loved her yes he said mournfully she has gone from me but i love her still still does the fond remembrance of all that she was to me linger at my heart she is my own my beautiful clara as she ever was and as while life remains to me she ever will be at the moment that he uttered these words a slight noise met his ears in an instant he sprung to his feet in the pulpit and looked anxiously around him what was that he said what was that all was still again and he was upon the point of convincing himself that the noise was either some accidental one or the creation of his own fancy when it came again he had no doubt this time it was a perceptible scraping strange sort of sound and he turned his whole attention to the direction from whence it came with a cold creeping chill through his frame he saw that that direction was the one where was the family vault of the croftons the last home of her whom he held still in remembrance and whose memory was so dear to him he felt the perspiration standing upon his brow and if the whole world had been the recompense to him for moving away from where he was he could not have done so all he could do was to gaze with bated breath and distended eyes upon the aisle of the church from whence the sound came that something of a terrific nature was now about to exhibit itself 
and that the knight would not go off without some terrible and significant adventure to make it remembered he felt convinced all he dreaded was to think for a moment what it might be his thoughts ran on clara and he murmured forth in the most agonizing accents anything any sight but the sight of her oh no 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 but it was not altogether the sight of her that he dreaded oh no it was the fact that the sight of her on such an occasion would bring the horrible conviction with it that there was some truth in the dreadful apprehension that he had of the new state of things that had ensued regarding the after-death condition of that fair girl the noise increased each moment and finally there was a sudden crash she comes she comes gasped ringwood he grasped the front of the pulpit with a frantic violence and then slowly and solemnly there crossed his excited vision a figure all clothed in white yes white flowing vestments and he knew by their fashion that they were not worn by the living and that it was some inhabitant of the tomb that he now looked upon he did not see the face no that for a time was hidden from him but his heart told him who it was yes it was his clara it was no dream it was no vision of a too excited fancy for until those palpable sounds and that most fearfully palpable form crossed his sight he was rather inclined to go the other way and to fancy what the sexton had reported was nothing but a delusion of his overwrought brain oh that he could but for one brief moment have found himself deceived speak he gasped speak speak there was no reply i conjure you i pray you though the sound of your voice should hurl me to perdition i implore you speak all was silent and the figure in white moved on slowly but surely towards the door of the church but ere it passed out it turned for a moment as if for the very purpose of removing from the mind of ringwood any lingering doubt as to its identity he then saw the face oh so well known but so pale it was clara crofton tis she tis she was all he could say it seemed too as if some crevice in the clouds had opened at the moment in order that he should with an absolute certainty see the countenance of that solemn figure and then all was more than usually silent again the door closed and the figure was gone he rose in the pulpit and clasped his hands irresolution seemed for a few moments to sway him to and fro and then he rushed down into the body of the church i'll follow it he cried though it lead me to perdition yes i'll follow it he made his way to the door and even as he went he shouted clara 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 he reached the threshold of the ancient church he gazed around him distractedly 
for he thought that he had lost all sight of the figure. No, no, even in the darkness and against the night sky he saw it once again in its sad-looking death raiments. He dashed forward. The moonbeams at this instant being freed from some dense clouds that had interposed between them and this world, burst forth with resplendent beauty. There was not a tree, a shrub, nor a flower, but what was made distinct and manifest, and with the church such was the almost unprecedented luster of the beautiful planet that even the inscriptions upon the old tablets and tombs were distinctly visible. Such a refulgence lasted not many minutes, but while it did, it was most beautiful, and the gloom that followed it seemed doubly black. Stay, stay, he shouted, yet a moment, Clara, I swear that what you are, that will I be. Take me over to the tomb with you, say but that it is your dwelling-place, and I will make it mine, and declare it a very palace of the affections. The figure glided on. It was in vain that he tried to keep up with it. It threaded the churchyard among the ancient tombs, with a gliding speed that soon distanced him, impeded as he continually was, by some obstacle or another, owing to looking at the apparition he followed instead of the ground before him. Still on he went, heedless whither he was conveyed, for he might be said to be dragged onward, so much were all his faculties both of mind and body intent upon following the apparition of his beloved. Once and once only the figure passed, and seemed to be aware that it was followed, for it flitted round an angle made by one of the walls of the church, and disappeared from his eyes. In another moment he had turned the same point. Clara, Clara, he shouted, tis I, you know my voice, Clara, Clara. She was not to be seen, and then the idea struck him that she must have re-entered the church, and he too turned and crossed the threshold. He lingered there for a moment or two, and the whole building echoed to the name of Clara, as with romantic eagerness he called upon her by name to come forth to him. Those echoes were the only reply. Maddened, rendered desperate beyond all endurance, he went some distance into the building in search of her, and again he called. It was in vain. She had eluded him, and with all the carefulness and all the energy and courage she had brought to bear upon that night's proceedings, he was foiled. Could anything be more agonizing than this to such a man as Ringwood? He who loved her so, that he had not shrunk from her, even in death, although she had so shrunk from him. I will find her, I will question her, he cried. She shall not escape me, living or dead, she shall be mine, I will wait for her, even in the tomb. Before he carried out the intention of going actually into the vault to await her return, he thought he would take 
one more glance at the churchyard with the hope of seeing her there as he could observe no indications of her presence in the church with this view he proceeded to the door and emerged into the dim light he called upon her again by name and he thought he heard some faint sound in the church behind him to turn and make a rush into the building was the work of a moment he saw something it was black instead of white a tall figure it advanced towards him and with great force before he was aware that an attack was at all intended it felled him to the ground the blow was so sudden so unexpected and so severe that it struck him down in a moment before he could be aware of it to be sure he had arms with him but the anxiety and agony of mind he endured that night since seeing the apparition come from the tomb had caused him to forget them end of chapter two seventeen